Welcome to Talk Nation Radio, a half-hour discussion of politics as if the people mattered. I'm David Swanson. It is my privilege to welcome to Talk Nation Radio this week Dave Webb. Dave Webb is a member, along with me, of the World Beyond War Coordinating Committee. He is chair of the UK Campaign for Nuclear Disarmament, as well as vice president of the International Peace Bureau. And Dave Webb is convener of the Global Network Against Weapons and Nuclear Power in Space, where he works with our friend Bruce Gagnon. See spaceforpeace.org or numeral four, space numeral four, peace.org. Dave Webb is an emeritus professor of peace and conflict studies at Leeds Beckett University. Webb has been involved in the campaign to scrap the UK Trident nuclear weapon system and has also focused on campaigning to close two US bases in Yorkshire where he lives. Dales, a missile defense radar base, and Menwith Hill, the huge NSA spy base where I helped declare independence from the United States a couple of Fourth of Julys ago. Uh, Dave Welp, welcome to Talk Nation Radio. Thank you very much. It's a great pleasure to speak to you on, on these things. Well, I, I most particularly wanted to hear from you regarding the upcoming conference that you and the Global Network are planning uh, for April 7th to 9th in Huntsville, Alabama. Can you tell us what this is? Yeah, sure. Um, every year, uh, the Global Network organizes uh, a conference to kind of uh, mobilize uh, membership and encourage people to participate in the various kind of campaigns that are going on around the world, really. Um, this year, it's the 25th anniversary, or next year, I should say, 2017, it's the 25th anniversary of, of the Global Network, um, and so we're holding the conference in America. We have been uh, last year, well, in 2016, just a few months ago, we were in India uh, with colleagues there talking about the uh, issues of space, weaponization, and militarization. Uh, and so we kind of t- tend to alternate between going somewhere in the world outside of the United States, but then coming back to the United States um, every couple of years or so, uh, because we see the United States as being the main perpetrator of the militarization of space, really. So this year, or next year, I keep getting the years mixed up, but next year, 2017, will be in Huntsville, Alabama, which is the home of the Redstone Arsenal, and uh, the U.S. Space Command's Directorate for Missile Defense. Um, so there's a lot of things going on in, in Huntsville, which would be of interest to a lot of, of people. Um, yeah. One of the things we try to do is encourage uh, local people to participate in our conference and also in some kind of demonstration or action against the local uh, kind of base or... A facility which is involved in the militarization of space. So there's plenty of things in Huntsville to keep us busy, I think. Yeah, I, I remember attending one of these conferences years back in Omaha, Nebraska, and protesting at All a right. key a key U.S. military facility there, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. Um, uh, Omaha and Huntsville both seem kind of obscure uh can you <laughs> explain fine. to explain to people why huntsville is is central to uh the militarization of space yeah um well as i say it's the home of the redstone arsenal where there's lots of um 
testing and so on going on there for various aspects of space technology, um, military space technology. It's also the manufacturing site for the PAC-3 Patriot missile systems and the SM-3 missile defense systems. Those are the um, missiles which are based on ships, mainly on ships, but also on uh, ashore systems now as well, SM-3. Um, and uh, there's just a whole load of stuff going on there, which is to do with um, manufacturing and testing and development of, of uh, new new systems. It was also the place where, after the Second World War, uh, the German rocket scientists were brought by the United States. You know, illegally, actually, they were smuggled out of Germany. The people that were involved in developing the V2 rockets, the V1 and the V2 rocket systems uh, in the Second World War, uh, they were smuggled out of Germany to help build similar kind of systems, really, in the United States. Uh, that was under a, an operation called um, Operation Paperclip, and right. that included Werner von Braun and many of his colleagues. Uh, so they were taught, take to, taken to the United States to develop systems there, um, and uh, many of them turned out, of course, to be for the military. Yeah. So um, it's got a history of military uh, work, military operations in space and development of, of systems in space. Yeah, now you can go on YouTube and watch cheerful little videos of Werner von Braun uh, with you know Walt Disney videos, but uh, probably most people in the United States don't know that these were people who used slave labor to build rockets in caves in Germany to uh, bomb England and so forth, and then came to the United States uh, by the hundreds and set up a uh, almost a colony, would you say, of former Nazis in Huntsville, Alabama, to work on rockets that the United States would use to blow up people in other countries. Um, do, do, do people in Huntsville know this history uh, and think well or poorly of it? Well, I think some do. Um... But not everybody does. As you say, you, you, we tend to hear about the things that the authorities would like us to know about. Uh, they may probably not be too kind of um, uh, willing to get people to know about the kind of things they did under, in an underhand way and which don't look too, too good from a PR point of view. So kind of stealing Nazis and getting them to, to build up your space uh, systems is, is probably not something they want advertised too much. But there will be some people in Huntsville, some very uh, knowledgeable people in Huntsville. There's, a, there's always, wherever we find these these places around the world, as you, as you know, um, that, that are operating for the military or for the, not really for the benefit of people, there are always a, a group of people who are protesting about them, who, who recognize them for what they are and try to do something about it. And there is a group in Huntsville who we'll be meeting up with and who will be hosting us and helping us to find um, venues and things like that. So, yeah, there's, there's always a group. But uh, generally speaking, these kind of activities are glossed over by uh, the authorities who don't really want you to know the real history of, of these things. 
Yeah, and and when we talk about the militarization of space, uh, are we talking primarily about the use of satellites by the military, or in, in what sense are we talking about uh, space weapons? Well, this is a really good question, and it's one that's um, really exercising a lot of people at the moment, I think. Um, we're, at the moment, we are talking mainly about satellite systems, but those satellite systems are particularly integral to to um, all of the military operations around the world that the U.S. in particular is, is, is engaged in, <clears throat> but other, other states, too, are also becoming very much reliant on, on or their military uh, systems are on space technology, so Russia, China, um, parts of European Union, and other growing states who have an interest in space technology. Because space can be used for not only for communication systems that we're all aware of and for GPS, which is very familiar, but those things are used um, to some, well, to a large extent in weapons technologies as well. Uh, they're used to guide um, drones, you know, to drive drones uh, over long distances to their targets uh, and all kinds of other activities that are going on around the world to kind of I see this thing, this whole kind of space militarization as, as like a network of satellites, ground-based stations, and, and other things which are all linked together through these, these kind of technologies and kind of envelop the world in a, in a militaristic system, which is actually really quite scary when you see the whole scale of it. And um, at the moment... Although we could say there are no weapons as such in space, in, in that there's no guns or missile launchers or whatever in space that can fire actually things down onto the Earth, there are components of those types of weapon systems that are in space and which are key to, to uh, the firing of missiles on the Earth or the firing of some kind of technology system that will destroy people and things. On the, on the Earth below. So if you can think of a weapon, some weapon systems as being distributed, you know, not just one, not like a gun, but, or, or like a gun, only where the trigger, the, the, the sights, and other components of the gun are, sep are separately situated in different places, and some of them, like the sights, would be situated in space. Yeah. We're but things may be getting worse because... Um, we, uh, it seems that uh, your upcoming president, your president-elect, um, Donald Trump, is quite keen to open up the possibility of actually stationing weapons themselves in space. Um, and uh, just recently there was um, some controversy about the, uh, the wording of, um, I think it was uh, Congress who want to scrap one word from the law which opens the door to a space arms race. They wanted to take the word limited away from describing how um, the U.S. would defend itself against a missile attack. So uh, at the moment, it's a, the idea is to defend against a limited missile, defense, uh, missile um, attack. So a missile defense system against a limited attack. This right. would mean a very a much smaller kind of idea of something there, like a rogue state or somebody, a terrorist or something, who get hold of a 
a, a missile and fire it off to the United States. So a smallish kind of scale missile defense system against that. But if you take away the word limited, then you're thinking perhaps of a full-scale attack on the United States. And that means you're destabilizing the kind of the system that's developed over the years for um, uh, a mutually assured destruction, which means that neither side, neither side who, who build up weapons uh, systems can really afford to start a, a nuclear war because of the retaliation of the other side. If you remove the possibility of that retaliation by having a, a, an unlimited, a very large-scale missile defense system, then that destabilizes the whole thing and makes nuclear war much more likely. So things are getting quite uh, dangerous from these developments in um, that have happened and are going to possibly going to happen in the next few years. We are speaking with Dave Webb, who, among many other things, is convener of the Global Network Against Weapons and Nuclear Power in Space. Check out the website at space4peace.org, the numeral four, space4peace.org. Dave, there's... uh, uh, been debate uh, and proposals from uh, major nations outside of the United States to to put a treaty together and ban weapons in space before they uh, are really there. What What is the status of that, uh, and which country, uh, need I ask, uh, is, is blocking? Yeah, that's, um, well, you've, yes, I mean, I think people can guess the answer to, to that. I think almost every year for a large number of years now, in fact, Russia and China have put forward uh, proposals to try to prevent an arms race in outer space, the so-called PAROS, Prevention of an Arms Race in Outer Space. And every year the U.S., the United States, with maybe one or two uh, following um, kind of states or groups, votes it down. Uh, and that's because they say, the United States says there's no need for it. There's no need for this kind of treaty or this kind of consideration at the moment. Um, but, of course, uh, Russia and China and other states would not propose that if they thought there was no need for it. Right. It, it seems very much likely, well, it seems that there is really a need for it. The United States, up until now, I think, has just considered itself to be too technologically superior to other countries to have to worry about such a, such a thing. And, and that's, the, that's the problem. They want to maintain that technological superiority and deny the use of space to other states. So it doesn't really uh, affect them. It's not a threat to the U.S. But if the U.S. imagines it can launch a nuclear war on some other part of the globe and survive it uh, by by fending off all uh, retaliatory attacks and all blowback and uh, somehow avoiding the nuclear winter that results and so forth, uh, I mean they're endangering the United States is endangering us in the United States as well as the rest of the world, is it not? I mean, this is a, it's not just a danger to Russia or a danger to China, but it's a, uh, it's a delusional uh, threat to us all, isn't it? Absolutely. Of course, you're absolutely right. I mean, you, you mentioned the key thing there, which is um, 
the the um, possible the after effects of of a nuclear war, which would be a nuclear winter that that would, that would cause the whole world to be completely devastated for a number of years and uh, affect Americans as well as anyone else. So it's I think part of it is probably not so much wanting to do it as wanting to be able to threaten to do it. So it's the threat of a nuclear war. It's like a bullying process as well as the actual ability to be able to do it. Mm. Um, but there are some delusional people, I think, in in places of power. Um, that's one of the real big problems that we have. And, and some people will be conned by some of the rogue kind of uh, corporations who have loads of money uh, that, that brings in loads of money for them, you know, to develop some of these technologies. They're worth thousands, billions of dollars uh, in in terms of contract, and so they want to keep developing these systems more and more. And some of the politicians can be taken in, I think, by some of the technological promises that are given. Uh, or, or made by some of these corporations. So it seems extremely unlikely um, from the point of view of physics alone that you will be able to produce uh, a, a, a missile defense system that would protect you against you know, an all-out nuclear attack. It seems extremely unlikely that you'll be able to do that yeah. now or, or even... You know, for, some, for many years into the future anyway. Is, is, but, isn't uh, it... When uh, there's billions of... Sorry. Isn't it increasingly unlikely as well that, that we'll have additional years and decades of the incredible luck of surviving any accidents or misunderstandings or mishaps uh, with these weapons in existence? I, I mean, that that can't go on forever. And the Pentagon building missiles now that can carry nuclear or non-nuclear weapons, but nobody who sees them coming will know what's coming. Uh, you know, aren't, we, aren't we doomed by, the, uh, by, by the, the fact that good luck is going to run out at some point? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, it's surprising we've, we've managed to survive this long, I think. But we've really got to start looking at alternatives for... for uh, resolving the conflict that we may have that may develop from around the world using kind of more and more sophisticated weapon systems or the threat of use of them is not the way it doesn't solve any problems at all it just um, enables people to uh, bully others into submission or to scare people or in fact as you say if something really does go wrong then we're kind of dooming the whole world to, to, to misery for generations, maybe even extinction. How, how, does, how does U.S. politics look to, to you and others uh, in Europe and as someone who, who travels? Um, because uh, it, here in the United States, for many people, building more nuclear weapons and increasing the arms race and developing all these dangerous technologies is, is perfectly fine, even noble, uh, as long as Obama is president. Uh, but pretty soon, you know, the wrong person is going to be president. Uh, and then then uh, you're going to have someone who makes crazy comments about wanting more nukes, just like his predecessor, and uh, and then it's going to be incredibly dangerous. Is is that how it looks to the rest of the world um, from the outside? Well, I, th I think it is. Yeah, I think at the moment people were, well, first of all, people couldn't believe that 
that that uh, Donald Trump would be elected president. Um, from things that he's been saying, I mean, we you know we know a lot of American people. We know that they're they're good, decent people. Um, uh, but we also know that some of the more powerful ones are maybe uh, a little different from the the ones that we're used to meeting um, in in the street or wherever, um, as tourists or what whatever. So uh, it's it's kind of I, I think people couldn't believe that somebody like Donald Trump could ever be elected as as a president. Um, and well, now that's happened. Uh, I think people are very worried. They're not really sure. They understand where he's coming from, what he's likely to say. He doesn't seem to be very predictable. And when you're the head of a state which has thousands of nuclear weapons ready to be launched at a moment's notice, that, that's quite scary, really. So, so it does look sort of the same from the outside as to, uh, oh. as to Democratic partisans uh, inside the United States, that the problem is, the problem is Trump. I think so, yeah. I mean, it's not just Trump. I think because he'll be um, talking about these things and people will be talking to him about these things. It, the, it's the corporations, really, who, as I've mentioned, stand to earn billions of dollars through contracts for, for these things. They're the ones who are pushing these kind of technologies and, and they're blocking other ways in which conflicts may be resolved, you know, um, through um, just people talking uh, through their problems in the United Nations or elsewhere, just just trying to understand each other about what the problems are. That can be the only real way forward, uh, as far as I can see. You can't you can't expect technology uh, which just blows things up, which just kills thousands, millions of people, to actually solve a problem. That doesn't solve anything. It just creates more problems. So, so this conference in April, the 7th to 9th of April in Huntsville, Alabama, on the weaponization of space, this, will this be something of a global gathering? Who will be, who will be coming, and what can people expect if they, if they sign up to attend? Yes, I hope we'll be able to attract people from around the world. Uh, the Global Network is a global network, as the name says. So we have people coming. We know that people are coming from Europe. From I, I, I shall be there. We have people from uh, Germany, from uh, Scandinavia, um, from India, hopefully, where we've just been, and, and or maybe also from uh, Japan and um, South Korea, where we have a number of very active uh, people in this kind of field. And, and they can relate. They will be there. They will come. They will talk about the struggles that they have in their part of the world. As you know, the Pacific uh, region is now kind of very, well, again, another danger area for human humanity, really, with the confrontation between um, the U.S. and China and all the things that are going on there, North Korea, missile defense systems in Japan and South Korea. And so... There's all kinds of things that are happening around the world. In Europe, we have uh, this huge uh, U.S. base at Ramstein in Germany where drone activity is controlled from or relayed through. Uh, and all kinds, you know, it's the missile defense uh, headquarters for the European missile defense system, the NATO and U.S. missile defense system. So we will be having reports from all of these different places. 
um, as well as what's actually happening in the United States as well. I mean, people will be coming to hear what uh, people's analysis of the new president uh, and the new um, uh, kind of, um, you know, he's, he's the people he's surrounding himself with, really, in, in his um, cabinet or whatever. So, you know, there'll be a lot of relaying of information, a lot of trying to understand what the current situation is, and a lot of trying to plan strategies for uh, trying to stop the further militarization and weaponization of space. And and on top of all that, you will have some some sort of act of protest. Yes, I, and I don't think it's quite clear yet because that will obviously depend upon what people who are hosting us will will be um, wanting to do or able to do. So uh, there'll be something we always like, I think, to put some kind of action on, on the agenda if we can. To, to show uh, solidarity with the local people who are there um, protesting for, you know, all, all year round. Uh, so just to show that we recognize their struggle, we're, we're behind them, we understand what they're, what they're trying to do, and we, we support them um, as we go back after that to our own particular places where we're doing something very similar. So it's a form of trying to network and I, I, get to know each other yeah and and if people want to attend in april in huntsville alabama how can they how can they sign up to go there well it'd be wonderful if you could that would be great yes please um go on to the website that you've already mentioned www.space number four peace.org and um there you'll see uh on, on on the website there there'll be a link to the um to the information about the uh, about the upcoming conference, we haven't got the application forms quite ready yet, but they'll be up there on the website soon uh, with more information. There, there is a little bit of information up there at the moment, but there'll be more in in the next uh, next few months as we develop more more of the ideas and get more of an idea of who is going to come. Well, the conference will come together, and the uh, and the state of the U.S. government will come together. I think we'll know a lot more by April. Uh, we have a president, uh, quote unquote, elect, uh, who says he's going to stop the wars of overthrow and the Cold War with Russia and so forth, but is bringing in a gang of war hawks and wants increased military spending and is talking about more nukes. Uh, I, I expect, don't you, that we will actually. Uh, be able to talk much more, uh, much more intelligently about what he means by April. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, um, as I say, it's kind of very confusing to people who don't quite understand. As you say, he's saying one thing. The president is saying, or the um, president-elect is saying one thing, but then building up something that seems to be quite different. So it, it's really odd. Uh, I don't think we understand what's what's going on. Uh, maybe we'll be able to know more by then and, and have more of an idea of um, exactly what, what uh, route he, he is taking, although it's, I guess it's fairly clear it's not going to be a particularly good one from the point of view of peace and security. 
Well, if it's if it's ending a Cold War with Russia that Obama and Hillary Clinton were stirring up, that would be wonderful. But, uh, you know, you don't get peace by buying more weapons. It hasn't ever worked before. Um, right. So we will see. Uh, we've been speaking with Dave Webb. He is the convener of the Global Network Against Weapons and Nuclear Power in Space, spaceforpeace.org. He's on the Coordinating Committee of World Beyond War, chair of the Campaign for Nuclear Disarmament, and vice president of the International Peace Bureau. Dave Webb, thank you for coming on Talk Nation Radio. Thank you, David. I, I hope to see you in Huntsville. I hope so, too. Great. That'd be great. Thank you. Thank you very much. This is Talk Nation Radio. I'm David Swanson. Take action at rootsaction.org. Help end war at worldbeyondwar.org. All past shows can be heard at davidswanson.org. Talk Nation Radio is produced in Charlottesville, Virginia, and syndicated by Pacifica Network. If you are listening to a nonprofit station, please support that station. Talk Nation Radio is funded by contributors at davidswanson.org. There is no way to peace. Peace is the way. Until next time. <laughs>